Hey, potential podcast listeners. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, then our sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You can talk to your therapist in a private, safe, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise with BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. All you do is simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in just under 48 hours. After that, you can schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. Join the over 3 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Our listeners will get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com potential. That's betterhelp.com slash potential. Take charge of your mental health with BetterHelp. And remember, know your potential. Hey, potential podcast listeners. Let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com slash potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being and let's get checked. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. This is the Potential Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by that made guy. That wise guy, that uh, the capo, Taylor Sokol. Uh, how you doing, Taylor? How you been? Hey, you know, I'm doing all right. You know, just a little bit of this, a little of that. You know, no problem. So, uh, feeling you pretty took, good, you man. Took care of that thing the on fifth? Yeah, well, the, the first pick? thing, the, the first thing and the second thing. Because how can we talk about the, the second thing? We let's talk about the first thing. If you didn't get to the third thing, I'm going to be very upset. Yeah. <laughs> um, as you can tell by our ridiculous accents, I just finished a monumental task that I've always wanted to do. And kind of similar to our past potential picks, Taylor challenged me and I got through it. This last weekend, we had the Many Saints of Newark film premiere in theaters on HBO Max, which we'll have a review for that later this week. Yes, we will. 
and that is a prequel movie of who made Tony Soprano. Of course, the infamous character played by James Gandolfini in the series The Sopranos, a show I've always wanted to watch. And guess what, folks? The last several weeks, I binged all 86 episodes, all six seasons, a show Taylor definitely loves. It's one of your faves. And so I'm glad I did. So today we're going to talk about the legacy and the show itself, The Sopranos, because if you look at uh, all-time greatest TV shows, Sopranos is definitely on that list somewhere. Uh, just for what it did for a genre, for you know, TV itself, the acting, the writing, it's uh, it's an incredible show. I'm glad I finally got to cross it off my bucket list of shows to watch. Now, Taylor, you being an original fan of the show more than I was because I had not gotten to see it yet, what was The Sopranos for you? Like, what did it do for you? I know that you and I were, were also. Uh, pretty big fans of like the mob mafia genre but you know the godfather is one of your favorite movies of all time which we talked about last season on our godfather episode but what was the sopranos for you when you first got into it um i think because i had such an affinity for um like mob and crime dramas this is something that was kind of so unique because it had drama and had action but it it was almost a commentary on the ideals of those you know, films and um, also in what the mafia was that, you know, this kind of old school mentality and that there were codes, that there were rules, and but it was about family, it was about loyalty. And something that was so magnetic also that this featured or would feature kind of a start to seeing these sympathetic villains where we yes. look at the, they're not necessarily anti-heroes, but they're the bad guy, but we want to root for them. And this would, Tony Soprano is just, it's gone down in history being one of these just, he is a, not a great person, but he he just so magnetic on the screen. I think that's part of obviously the casting. We'll get into that. But he this this kind of storytelling would lead to so many other great shows that we've seen today and, um, and that have been ranked out there. I mean, you think of like The Shield, uh, Breaking Bad, um, even like shows like 24. Uh, a lot of these these people that, maybe have the right intentions, but they, uh, they do bad things. And, uh, yeah, so for me, it was just such, um, just a craft and great storytelling that I think it would just inspire, you know, so many other like, like into that. And I actually went back and watched it recently before you did Chris. So, okay. you know, I think with the quarantining, it was great to go back and watch it again. Cause I, I was so young when this came out uh, myself. I mean, this came out, which is crazy now it's over 20 years since the show, the pilot first aired in June or sorry January of 1999, and to think that it ended in 2007, so it, it's kind of crazy that. And now with this movie coming out, it's going to be a whole new generation of people wanting to go back and dive into the world of The Sopranos. Yeah, I've been surprised to read that. I guess surprised, but also not surprised. In this now day and age of streaming and having the ability to have full shows in their complete form on a streaming platform. There is a whole new audience that gets to experience a show, you know, a good decade plus later. And I read that recently, and maybe because this prequel movie is out now, um, there's been a huge abundance of a younger audience, even younger than we are, watching The Sopranos. And it is interesting because I'm like, the show, especially when you first start the show, the first season, and even through the last season, it is dated in some of the way it looks because it's kind of set in this time era of that late 90s, early 2000s. You know, there's not a lot of technology in the show. It's not very farcical, you know, a lot of, you know, 
it is it, it, it is interesting how much they kind of they kind of it's not mocking the mob genre but there is like obviously commentary and then some little slight parody but also there's a huge like they always talk about other mob movies and like yeah, and quote stuff and everything yeah there's a lot of yeah so I wonder if people have like maybe caught on to something about that genre that, you know, I, I think of like things that come off my head of, you know, the mob genre, of course, The Godfather, maybe Scarface, you have uh, you know, The Departed is a big one that yeah, people good revisit, fellas. Goodfellas, obviously, of course, says he's done a lot with that um, genre, but there hasn't been a ton of like TV shows that deep dive into this. And I think this show would have launched to things like having Boardwalk Empire Peaky Blinders, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I was excited to get into this. I do think very much like other HBO shows, like for example, Game of Thrones, this show is a little hard to follow only because there are so many characters. Once you kind of get into the mindset of how these crews work, like, you know, who is the boss? Who are the captains? Then, you know, you kind of go down to the more like the minions, I guess you could say. It's it, it, once you kind of figure out who's on whose side and who's working for who, then it is pretty easy to follow. But I did feel like the first couple of seasons, I was like, wait, who's this guy again? Who are they working for? And I think, yeah, I think to your to your point, like unless you're very familiar with the mafia, kind of like the hierarchy a, a little bit, or have seen that, it's a little bit more confusing. So you're you're right. That was the same thing with Game of Thrones and things like that. I like who's you know to what, and of course the series progresses, more people die off, so it's easier to. Keep- keep track of who's who's who but uh yeah i agree there's a lot of um it's very expository in at least the first three seasons yeah they talk a lot about movies and of course they're always quoting the godfather or like i love when later on there's a lot of talking about uh like uh gladiator and like uh, it's just funny how much they bring up other movies and yet they're living this you know life that to us feels like we're watching a movie although clearly you know trying to base a lot of this based on truth you know obviously i don't think there actually is a tony soprano but you know that's like there was some guy that had to be somewhat the inspiration for a lot of this um and david chase who created this whole thing i mean a master in creating and really running this show for that long i mean it's a it's it's a big show and 86 episodes over the course of six seasons for some shows, that's not a long run, but even look at like, like we just mentioned Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones was an eight season arc. And nowadays we're getting more seasons that are 10 episodes instead of 13, but that's about the same length of Game of Thrones. And that was over a 10 year period, you know? So it's like, they did a lot of episodes and a lot of it does have to be, you can't just have the entire episode be them going and shooting people or, you know, going off and finding someone and interrogating there is a lot about family in this, especially, you know, most of the main characters are Tony's family, um, especially, you know, his wife and his daughter and his son are a huge part of the show. And you see how they grow and throughout the entire throughout the entire series. Yeah, especially how the children like how they react to the deeds and stuff that happens on the, you know, the, the dark side of the family. And how that kind of changes and messes them up was also very interesting. I think that's a good thing you bring up, Chris, is that was something going back and revisiting the show that I look more emphasis on, that there is so many, as we've mentioned, films and now shows where you see 
a little bit more where I think movies can't really show the the passage of time and what it we show more of the glamour side of you know the dirty deeds and um, the mafia dealings. What I think is more interesting with this show because you have this time to do, to spill it out, you can see the civilian life, but you also can see um, both sides of it where it is fun and glamorous at times, but also it's like um, how it affects the family, but also how the characters view these these roles that they have uh that these are just kind of this is a blue collar job to them it's not like they don't look at it as like oh yeah we're, we're doing bad things you know we got to take this guy out no it's they're making deals they're 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 to them it's all building legitimacy around their illegitimate, illegitimate way of life <laughs> but it's yeah just seeing like the the kids alone and i think it was great watching interviews about the actors who played uh, Meadow and AJ, the, the the two main kids, just, you know, what they auditioned for and like how they grew up with the show. And it was really beautiful to see that looking at some of these, you know, uh, there was a recent, unfortunately, a lot of some of the actors have passed since then, but it was seeing some of the interviews with a lot of the cast after reunions. And they were saying just that, you know, there's some intense moments in the show, and we'll talk about this more, but, and a lot of people, it doesn't seem all lovey-dovey, but this was a real family. And it's kind of, you know, kind of funny to say that, oh, you're welcome to the family, but there was such support and love for the cast that you got a lot of veteran actors, and there were a lot of people, this was their first gig. So I think that was really great to see that there was love throughout the show, especially people who had been on since the pilot. And you could tell that they had to have that, they had to have that sense of family behind the scenes to really make it feel real. real on screen because a lot of these guys and, and, you know, just to have that, you know, when they're backstage, even when they're at the, the Bing or they're at, you know, the office or whatever, just the way they, they kind of schmooze and talk to each other and they break balls and like, it feels so genuine. So I feel like they had to have a sense of, of um, common respect behind the scenes to get that. But also because there is a lot of intense, you know, there's a lot of yelling, there's a lot of cursing, Obviously, there's a lot of physical violence, and that happens to the kids as well. I feel like there had to be, you know, you got to imagine, like, no matter what, even if he was a gentle teddy bear, which I'm sure he was, um, when James is in his in his zone as Tony, he is Tony. He's going to be that monster. And so you have to have that common respect. And so, and I think that's also why this show, for me, an interesting angle that is an arc of the entire show is the fact that our main character is attending therapy sessions. Yeah, which is a, which is a huge bit part of the show. Huge part of the show, which is you know you look at I'm you know the character of Jeremy from Melfi, and you could think, oh, that could have been easily uh, just a first season thing where maybe he was recommended to take therapy. Uh, you know, maybe it was court mandated. You know, who knows? And then it could have just ended. No, he's, he's personally taking therapy throughout the entire show, which was very, very cool. Well, two points I would say like, yeah, this, first of all, glad you mentioned that huge part of the show. Um, secondly, it could have been very comedic as we've seen in other shows like Lucifer where the it's played for laughs. And yes, there's some, there's a lot of great humor in this show, but uh, this could have, yeah, it could have been a one-off could have been one season. And, but to see that he time and time again he he leaned on this therapy and it was really like his way of to the audience ex, trying to cope. explain his mind and explain and what he's dealing with and to have this mob boss you know that is that he he tries to be a good guy but obviously he's he's running things 
Um, he has his dark tendencies. He, you know, cheats on his wife. He's constantly doing drugs and alcohol and he kills people and he has people killed. It's his way to kind of try to reveal his darker side and start to realize that maybe there's things that led to why he is the way he is, which clearly they're going to explore a little bit of that in this prequel movie. But I like that, you know, as we see his mom in the show, we get a lot of flashbacks of his dad, who is no longer with us at the point in the show, seeing a lot about how they were, how they were parented him and his two sisters, you start to realize like X, Y, Z led to why he, he is a good family man, but he's also a terribly flawed monster of a man when it comes to when he gets those anger issues and having this whole, he's having these regular panic attacks and starts to pass out. And like, I like that for a show that nowadays we are getting so many of these, you know, let's talk and uh, break down a villain. They really was another for TV, at least that was kind of an original concept for that and having the therapist angle the entire show. And of course, yeah, constantly he argues and he wants to quit and then he always finds himself way back. And I also love that he kind of has a, an attraction to his therapist. He, well, you know, and it's, it's, it goes to that thing. Um, well, also the, the cool fact that, that the therapy was shown a sign of weakness. Cause it's all about Omerta, which is, you know, you don't talk to people. You don't talk to like, Oh, he's talking to the cops. He's talking to, so that was this whole, like, it's almost in secret that he's doing this. Cause he can't really reveal to people, even though they kind of know, um, and we got to give props to Lorraine Bracco as Jennifer Melfi because, first of all, no stranger to the mob genre as she uh, played the wife of Henry Hill, Ray Liotta's character, excuse me, in um, Goodfellas. But it was just they're very these magnetic scenes, and they're just such a really – and I love how she calls him Anthony. She doesn't call him Tony. But to your point when you're saying, like, yes, he – it's very interesting because he lo- does love Carmela's wife. But he has these affairs, but all and even later in the series, he talks about I went for women that weren't you at all. Like it was like he like I wanted someone different, and it was because I didn't want to because what you is unique, and he justifies it in his mind. But Melfi is the one woman he can't have, and it's something about Tony's. It is like he has to have stuff that he can't you know, have. Oh, he can't have exactly. exactly. So I mean, from everything from I want this horse or I want this position of power, you know. And so, <laughs> um, it's really great. And talking about his wife, you get a which I think is really great. The show, there is, I think one thing I talked to you, Chris, as you were watching the show, it's an interesting commentary about the show is that it shows what it means to, in some people's minds, to be a man, but also this huge toxic masculinity. And, and we talk about how women are treated in this. It's pretty messed up. But then you see some really strong, powerful women like Melfi and even Carmela, where she kind of really, as, as his wife, um, Edie Falco does this amazing thing of being the Italian American wife and she kind of changes the the status quo of it where she's not letting things lie down and there's a lot of there's a lot of great scenes with them and their relationship where from beginning in you you could see where that could have she could have just been a stock character easily could have been just a stock character that's just the meek wife that just says yes 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 and you know just does what her husband says but yes I love that she she becomes a fighter throughout a lot of the show. And it is funny. Like, I just, you know, a thing that I always thought was kind of funny about the whole show is her hairdos in all the show are these <laughs> over-the-top, big 90s, 2000, poofy, you know, Italian wife hairdos. And she always is very dressed very nicely. So she definitely comes from a point of she enjoys the wealth her family has, which clearly comes from her husband doing what he does. 
but it hits points where it's like she she puts up with a lot of his crap but there's there's just points where it can't take it anymore and i love the scenes where she she's full on just panther mode just like yelling and screaming at him, up to him and he yeah. he 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 knows that he can't do anything about it there's moments yes where he he hits her and like you know there's there's that side which is always always hard in this show there's a lot of that where you know especially they're working at a strip club a lot of the women get beat or hit and it's you know sometimes you're like god guys like come on but when they stand up and put them in their place and then then she sometimes takes that and puts it into you know okay i'm gonna go on a trip then by myself i'm gonna do this um you know she she keeps him in his place a lot and there's definitely a huge strength to her character but also she definitely had to carry a lot of the emotional side for the family uh not only for family you know loved ones that pass in the show things like that but also seeing her kids go through what they do in the show uh, especially aj who definitely has such a interesting arc uh from this kind of just you know chubby annoying kid who then he he starts to follow his father's footsteps a little bit, but um, not to the point that I thought was going to go. It was kind of teased a little bit as he got older. Like he started to kind of run his own little punk crew, but then kind of panned out, you know, you which know? is, which is great. Cause there there's other, there's, it subverts your expectations. And I think that's, you know, let's what David Chase did. Uh, another great thing about the show that I thought was really well done was first of all, gotta love the credit song. Uh, by A3, you know, woke up this morning. It's just like, this is one of the few shows that I would continue, I would like sit through the credits just because I love that song and just the whole, just the beginning atmosphere that it set. <laughs> um, but speaking of the music, there was just such a great choice of different, of a soundtrack, you know, and a lot of the episodes ended with a great like song very i think this is kind of a thing with hbo if you notice that like true blood and other shows they always have really good like song that kind of ends the episode and throughout this show i going back and watching i was like oh man i like this song i like that song there was some really good and the the music again we've noticed this in the theme of great uh media that music is almost a character in itself it's a whole other entity and just it's just a perfect place song but talking about the writing and the dialogue. I think that that's what was so great about the show that the episodes were, yes, there were violent things, but there were sometimes just very ordinary things. Uh, I just love the, one of the episodes where he's taken Meadow to call it to tour colleges. And during that, he hits, he whacks a guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and like that whole, so, and it's like, so there was these little things where trying to balance that lifestyle, but not hiding it. You know, you know, I'm in no waste management. I'm in construction. I'm like, we know what that was code for. <laughs> yeah, waste management. Uh, yeah. So, but I thought, yeah, the music was so great, and um, that they that they're able to sustain the show for so long and just peel back the layers of you know Tony and his family. I thought, you know, for a show with such an ensemble cast, a lot of people held their own. Uh, where it could have just been all these kind of goofy characters and Tony, we just watched for Tony. We watched for all the characters, really. I mean, yeah, there's definitely some characters that kind of throughout the show play more of a humorous role. Uh, you know, for example, definitely Silvio and Polly, um, although it's definitely sometimes they're a bit threatening, there's just always a humorous side to how they talk, especially Polly. You know, he's just always very happy and always talking. Um, and those sideburns, I mean, come on, what a look. The wings. The wings, the, the white wings. 
But Stephen Van Zandt and Tony Sekiro, what like actors that I think really brought an authentic, like, especially like, I don't think I've seen that actor like anything before at least that I can remember, but I've always remembered that image even before I've seen the show of his look with the wings and like, I'm like, that is his like, you know, best known role. That's going to be his role that he's always remembered for is Polly. And he's very funny in this show. He's very goofy and you kind of get the sense of the older mob member that he's not really like a high, high rank, um, but he he's very um, loyal, I would say, overall. But it's a lot of humor situations that don't really apply to a lot of the other characters. And then you have things like, you know, we were talking before about um, how much of this it gets referential with like movies and TV. The character of Christopher, who is one of my favorite characters of the show, played by Michael Imperioli, super flawed. The entire show, I hated this man because of how many times he Fs up. He always gets a chance to like find, you know, a better place. And he always Fs it up, whether it's it's back to drugs, doing the wrong decision. He's such a hothead. And a lot of that probably comes to as you kind of get in the show, he one his his father died when he was you know very very young and so he's kind of had this mob family be a lot of his family especially uncle tony being kind of like a father figure and it just you could see how definitely with the toxic masculinity always trying to prove yourself to climb the ranks he just constantly is this hothead who does the wrong things and even with you know adriana another fantastic role played by drea de mateo who is again like a, a gorgeous beauty. She's trying to prove herself. She wants bigger and better things. She sticks by him the entire show to her downfall. And it's like this almost, you know, Romeo and Juliet, like, you know, keep messing up situation. But I love the angle that Christopher wants to become a screenwriter, that he, he loves the Godfather and Goodfellas and all this stuff. And he's like, I think I could write a movie and get into Hollywood and that's a thing like you know we'll talk about guest stars later in the second half but like there's just some funny situations that happen from that plot point through the series and that you know you think this guy who is this mob man he's definitely killed people he's constantly doing drugs uh you know he constantly battles addiction over and over and he 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 cheats on his on his girl he beats his girl this flawed individual, he wants to do something that if it would work out would definitely benefit him as a human being and get him away from this family, get away from the, the New Jersey mob mentality. But he just, he can't do it. And it's just like, I, I found myself so frustrated throughout the show with his choices that I was always like, come on, man. Like just, you know, but what a brilliant performance, you know, it was a whole series by Michael. I mean, and, and, you know, a lot of these actors did win Emmys and he's definitely one that did. So uh, very much deserved because damn, what a role. Oh, absolutely. And I think, and talk about, let's just like, you know, yeah, we've got our, our opinion of the show, but I mean, just look at, you just look at the accolades of what the, what the show had done. I mean, won multitude of awards, including Peabody Awards, there's first two seasons, 21 primetime Emmy Awards, five Golden Globe Awards. And I mean, still to this day, the fact that, you know, we're getting still been the subject of critical analysis of, you know, controversy, parody. I mean, books even had a video game that came out. 
I mean, it even spawned like podcasts. I mean, there's talking about Michael and Peter Early, him and Stephen uh, Sherpa, uh, Sharipa, excuse me, uh, who played Bobby Bacala. Uh, they have this uh, talking Sopranos. And they've got it. They've been going back, kind of like the Office ladies. They're oh, going nice. back and like reviewing nice, the episodes, nice. which I've actually listened. It was pretty cool. I'm like, hey guys, if you're listening to this podcast, you can be on our guest uh, next year. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's kind of cool the fact that this is just has done so well, and it's kind of ascended, you know, past you know its series run. And you talked about like the a lot of the cast and crew, a lot of them were largely unknown and this has kind of led them to stuff i mean look at edie falco i mean this kind of put her on the map and then she's gone on to do so many other things and yeah huge tv star now um doing her own you know starting her own shows and i'm sure she's done some movies as well but i i haven't seen her anything before you know and obviously nurse jackie and you know currently now she's playing hillary clinton on the impeachment story uh, oh my gosh yeah. that's so cool <laughs> so like you know clearly and she's won a bunch of emmys and she's fantastic but nothing I would have known her from prior to this. And even like James Gandolfini, who's, you know, uh, rest in peace. He's done so many things. I don't remember a lot that he's done, at least not that I've seen apart from this, but I was fortunate enough to, um, you know, he also did stage uh, as a lot of these actors did. And um, out here in LA, there was the Broadway run of God of Carnage which is a four person show. And I remember it was him and Jeff Daniels were the two guys. Um, I can't remember who the two girls were, but they took that and did an LA run. And so I got to see James Gandolfini live on stage and uh, in a play, which was pretty awesome. But yeah, there's a lot of actors in this that I'm like, I don't really know if I've seen you in other things, but there's some that actually funny enough I'd seen in things before, but didn't realize this is like a big part of their career. Uh, for example, Ada Torturo, who plays Janice Soprano, who is Tony's sister, she's in a hilarious episode of Kirby Enthusiasm that I've seen <laughs> multiple times. And then when she popped in was like, oh, Tony's sister, I was like, oh, for sure this works. And even her flawed, you know, arc throughout the show of this, you see a lot. I, I like that angle a lot of the siblings, especially Janice and Tony, constantly battling and talking about their, their mother who was played by Nancy Marchand, um, who, God, was a, just an annoying, annoying presence, uh, just so angry and bitter. And you see how they kind of start to dissect, like, oh, a lot of what mom did is why we're like this today, while we have these issues and problems. It wasn't dad, it was mom, uh, which is crazy because dad was definitely the mob guy in you know, the whole time. And then the brilliant performance over the whole arc of the show of Dominic shanny's playing junior soprano the uncle oh my gosh what a tour de force and he's and talking about this actor and not no shortage uh godfather part two johnny ola that's right so it's so fun like he's definitely like if you want a good actor for a mafia type film he's the guy he this, actually had a lot of i think his character although uh he also has a hot temper also led to a lot of humor just because he was so angry all <laughs> yes. the time and some of the stuff he'd say he was so short with people but I like the angle of his character. He is, you know, meant to be, at least at the start of the show, he's currently the, the head of the family. He's the one running everything because, of course, Tony's dad has passed. And you see, like, the fall of an empire with him. He just slowly but surely loses that power, um, especially because he starts to have 
health concerns and all this stuff and just some of the stuff that happened, especially in that last couple of seasons, you just see how his, you know, he's starting to have kind of like Alzheimer's and like, he's just, it's like crazy how the show ends with this character that was such a presence in the beginning and just loses that power over the course and how, of course, it upsets him so much. Um, and him and Tony just always multiple seasons were going back and forth, just like, like two, like an unstoppable force meets an immovable object, you know, kind of thing. It was, it was kind of like the unofficial Batman to his Joker, but they was definitely, and what, what I think was great about each season, you bring that, bring up a good thing. Um, that there wasn't like you see a lot of these films when you get kind of the anti here or something. There's always like who's the big bad of this season or something. And it, what was interesting is the setup was not like so obvious. A lot of these characters would kind of spill into the next season. And really, the real villain or the real, which is kind of ironic, was Tony. Tony kind of got in his own way about a lot of stuff. And you're talking about Christopher, like. Let's talk about the role of, of this character. Of I mean, again, James Gandolfini, what an amazing... I mean, he is Tony Soprano. I mean, not as a person. You hear all these great things about how he was just a gem of a person. And I loved hearing the stories about him with um, the, you know, the actors who played um, Meadow and AJ. Um, just that he was like really um, like a father figure to them. But what, a, what an interesting character for him, but he is the huge architect of his own demise, and just like many people, but it's interesting to see uh, of how he treats other people and how um, there's this interesting thing where he's gone to therapy over all these seasons, and at the very end, you know, the therapist like, I don't think I've really helped you at all, and it's kind of weird to think, like, was he being helped, or was he, is he really the psychopath, you know, or, um, you know, because it's kind of like he used that to kind of justify everything he was doing. Well, even like when you look at AJ's character, a lot in that last two seasons, as he becomes more of this punk kid, um, doesn't really work. He's just partying all the time. He starts doing, you know, a little bit of addiction problem, um, starts having this kind of a crew where he's like going around and beating up people at college. A lot of that. And then when it leads to his, you know, big moment at, uh, you know, the last half of season six, a lot of that Tony in therapy is like either in therapy or to Carmela is like, it's, it's this messed up soprano gene. It's like, you know, you can't fight it. It is, there's something messed up about us as a family. So no matter what, it's always going to happen. So maybe there was a, you know, it's like, again, the flawed villain hero arc of it was, was there never going to be a point to save him if he kept, you know, being this in this, this world and being this mob boss, because he constantly wanted what he couldn't have. And he liked having that playful side with danger, which yes, definitely led to his own demise. Now, of course we could go on for hours about how the show ends or, but or doesn't people, end. You know, or doesn't end. I mean, it just cuts to black, but it's like, even if the, you know, the way this last season panned out with um, a very, you know, intense two crews going against each other, it probably could have turned out that he would have been shot at some point. You know, it's like the enemy of your enemy is my friend. And, you or know, he had just too many meatballs because, I mean, let's talk about the good food. Gosh, how much do they eat on the show? And I was like, actually going to say about at least 40 percent of this show is just eating and drinking um, or Tony going to get the newspaper. Um I mean, we, we get it. Tony is in a robe and he gets the newspaper in the morning. We get it, people. Um, there is a lot of food and stuff in this show. And 
I actually do think that is a great thing because of similar to the Godfather. You know, we talked about in the Godfather episode how the movie's really long and all, all those movies are long, but a lot of it is to show the Italian culture. And a big part of this is them celebrating their heritage and their people. Clearly, you know, like you have the character of Artie Bucco, uh, who is, you know, our chef <laughs> what, character. Who, what a character. What a character. Again, a, a lot of great humor, tries to get into some schemes, doesn't always work out, makes some enemies, you know, all this stuff. He's kind of always at the bait of Tony. He kind of has to rely on that to succeed. But a lot of it is talking about food. And of course, yeah, there's these big dinners and, you know, they're always dressed so nice when they go to dinner, you know, very much that that the way they look, they take pride in that. But a lot of this, you know, there's Italian music. There's a whole, of course, they go to Italy at some point. The way that sometimes they speak, um, you know, they have a little Italian phrases. I think a lot of that is to show just, you know, they do take pride. Of course, yes, ends up being to the detriment where they make slurs or things of other cultures. You know, they're like, we're the best and blah, blah, blah. Well, and I, I think on top of that, you got... A lot of there's been controversy over that because, again, this is showing a stereotype of Italian-Americans. But, you know, David Chase has said that I'm defending that this is not it's depict a criminal subculture. This is not all Italians. And I think but it does show that there's it was interesting to see, like, even some sides of Tony's family that weren't involved in the lifestyle. You think about his youngest sister, you know, you barely see her. She's got her husband, her kids, but they're never part of any of the ongoings. And even, you know, even Janice is kind of doing her thing of the black sheep of the family. But it, it's very interesting to see that there is a, sh a showing of love and appreciation of Italian culture, but then also this kind of that stereotype of the criminal Italian Americans. But what's interesting, though, is they're telling a story of this small town crime family because they're in Jersey of all places. Not like you see the threat of the big New York families. And it could have easily been like all New York and a little bit more of Godfather-esque where the Corleones were the really this powerful family, where the DeMeo crime family that Tony runs ultimately is kind of like a laughed at, that they're kind of just running their little schemes and things like that. So it's not like, they're not super powerful. They're kind of just- I mean, yeah, overall, the, the, the stuff that they were getting into, at least the first couple seasons is like, yeah, they have they have the, the stripper bar and that's kind of like headquarters, yeah. uh, the Bing. Um, and it's like they just, you know, run little deals here and there and like they, you know, they make their money and be like, all right, you get, you know, and I, always like the numbers game when they would do these deals with like, you know, if it's a rival uh, crew that they don't want to, you know, have any bloodshed. So it'd be like, all right, how about this? Um, we'll give you 12.5% of this. You cut back on that. And always, you know, the kiss, kiss on the cheek. All right, we've made a deal. And of course, if deals start to go awry, that's when people start to get upset. And always, if it relates to anyone of family or one of their people then bloodshed happens. But, you know, when people need to be taken out, need to be taken out. But it's not, you know, it's not to the scheme of millions and millions of dollars. Like, yes, they have a very nice home, but it's also New Jersey. Um, the, you know, real estate is cheaper there than if you're going to be living in Manhattan. Um, but it, I, I like it. There's scenes where they, they like, especially when you get the character of, when you get Johnny Sack in the show, uh, there's scenes where like they're kind of like on the edge of New York, but they're not like going into New York for a lot of the heavy, you know, material, um, which, by the way, he was a fantastic character about the show. Uh, kind of a, you know, one of those like um, <laughs> I'm always like, God, this guy is a great actor. Uh, it was Vincent Curatola. Um, he, he's a great actor, but I'm always like. 
you need to go, man. <laughs> like he, he just like was, he was a great kind of like somewhat of a villain character that was always like trying to, you know, and again, it, what this show proves is that life happens. We can't always help what happens to our destiny. And it's not always a, you know, like, ah, uh, that villain met his, uh, his doom. Sometimes life happens and, you know, shit happens. So, um, but great character, but you know, what? something I want to talk about Taylor next is, this show, for having such a big cast, does have some heavy hitters that kind of play more like cameo roles for a season or two. Um, I mean, they're main parts of the, the season, but they're not like, you know, in it for the whole run. And there's some fantastic actors in here that really uh, played some fun characters, both um, whether they were good or bad. But like one to start off with that, again, I had seen something before. And then seeing him in this, I was like, oh, now I totally get why that is so funny in that show. Big fan of Everybody Loves Raymond, um, as I'm sure you are. We love our sitcoms. David Proval, who plays Richie <laughs> Aprile in The Sopranos. In Everybody Loves Raymond, the whole joke is Robert, you know, meets this really attractive Italian girl and finds out that the dad is played by David Proval has this very intense, like, you know, is he in the mob mentality? Now I get it because he was great in The Sopranos. Uh, definitely one of our, you know, villain characters, if you want to call it that, who was just, you know, lived by the old rules, didn't really always gel with Tony um, and is very hothead. And he was just fantastic um, in that second season that uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, this totally now makes sense in my mind what that character was going for and other stuff he's done. But uh Great, great character there. And then we got to talk about, of course, uh, Joe Pantoliano playing oh, yes. Ralph. Joey Pants. Hey, Joey, Joey Pants. Joey Pants, yeah. <laughs> playing uh, Ralph. Just a prick. Just a, just, but the charisma, I think he, he, and what I kind of like too is he just showed up in the show. They didn't really have some like big introduction scene of like, oh, he's from this other crew. He's been part of, you know, he just showed up in the show. And that's a lot of a lot of the kind of like characters. There's not um, this big like intro, make a deal. It's just kind of like this is part of the family. Like you're again. This we're, is just, we're, you know. we're, it's another season. We're showing other members of the crew. Again, the crew can grow and decrease at any moment. But I love <laughs> I love his character arc of always quoting Gladiator. Um, and obviously he was a big drug drug situation, a huge addict. And this really, if you think about it, his character coming in season three, his character really is the match that lights that then affects the rest of the show because him making the joke and then Johnny taking it too seriously, Johnny Sack, that really starts to be the big stem that breaks this whole thing apart that would then continue for the rest of the series. But I just thought he had a great charisma and there's something about him that with that hair <laughs> the whole time, and you're like, that's gotta be a wig or something, which we didn't find it. It is a wig, but I loved his energy. And I think it was a smart move to cast him. You know, we've loved him in so many things. I mean, the guy's done a ton in movies and TV, but uh, he was a, a lot of fun to watch. And then we got to bring up Steve Buscemi. Oh yes. As uh, Tony's cousin. Who is no stranger. No stranger to the mob genre. And I liked this angle for this character of a man who is trying to get out. 
He just wants to live a normal life. He wants to start a massage parlor. How nice. He just wants to, you know, live a normal life. But again, just when I thought I got out, they pull me back in. The fact that he can't <laughs> let go of these tendencies. He can't let go of what, you know, made him in the first place. And the, the chemistry between him and Tony was really strong in that season. It really played out the whole, like, when he kind of starts to reveal, like, you know, that day that, you know, you got caught, I said I was, you know, bringing up, actually letting him know, like, actually, I had a fight with my mother and I passed out. Like, the start of his, you know, his medical issues that relate to his mom and everything that would lead him to therapy. Just, like, the writing there I thought was super strong for that character. And Buscemi's character doing what he does, Tony B., again, leads to a lot what's going to happen in the final season of these two crews really being, you know, against each other. Yeah, and um, that was that, that was a great thing. There was also some of these side characters that weren't even, you know, big part of the family. But like we talked, we were joking, we've got like uh, Robert Patrick, who's got a great arc as uh, one of the you know, one of the dads uh, from school. And he's like, with a gambling, gambling addiction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and even like some of these other legendary guys, you got like Robert Loggia love from everything he's been in, but like, you know, think of like movies like big and independence day, but also like him playing Frank on um, Scarface uh, as uh, you know, kind of a made man in the old, uh, old ways. And um, even Frankie Valley was in this at one point, which which I thought that was pretty cool because I'm watching this uh, on my rewatch. I'm like, is that Frankie Valley? <laughs> and uh, so just so many great ones. And, and talk about, you know, villain arcs. I think we, we definitely, you know, one of our favorite ones, of course, because, you know, kind of like, you know, finish it, finishes it out uh, of the series. We got we to gotta talk about Phil Leotardo, played by the legendary Frank Vincent. Uh, who's definitely no short another we say this a lot but no shortage to uh, mob <laughs> films but also Scorsese from Raging Bull to Goodfellas yeah. and uh, Casino so uh, just like man just and, and unfortunately passed away not too long ago 2017 but uh, just these magnetic and this is kind of culminates in these magnetic roles that everyone that was cast whether as a small bit part just just gave their a game yeah he he was a, a presence in the last two seasons. And what's interesting is he really is like plays along and is very friendly with Tony. You know, they, they make the deals, you know, obviously um, Phil is kind of like the, you know, as Johnny sack is in jail for a heavy part of the final, you know, two seasons there. It's like, he, he's um he's there to, you know, speak for that crew and they're making their deals and it's all very polite. It's all very, but there is this animal inside that cannot handle some of the choices that happen. And, you know, a lot of that plays into uh, the illegitimate moments where, uh, you know, words get messed up, deals go awry. And it, I love how it kind of leads to the, the bloodshed that's going to happen that finishes off the show of, you know, and that's the thing is like, a lot of the show, like I said earlier, it's not constant, like just, oh, go gun, Senseless gun, bang, bang, yeah, bang. It's like, yeah, we're going to you know, There's some episodes, episode. yeah. there's full episodes that have no violence in it at all. Oh, yeah. But you you do kind of expect it at some point, you know, and, and I wonder too when they, you know, when they got to season six and they decided, all right, we're going to do a longer season six, we're going to split it up, do 12 episodes, and then we'll do nine episodes as a 21 episode arc for season six. 
I wonder if there was chats about, you know, okay, uh, you know, David Chase and the writing team of, are we going to just like finish this off with a full on, this is how the story ends, or are we going to kind of leave it a little bit of a loose end, leave it a little open? And I think that was a smart choice because this show has a lot where you feel you feel that revenge moment's coming where there's a guy you just don't like at all. Uh, you think, oh, that's the villain. He's going to meet his end. And it doesn't always play out that way. It, it Sometimes other things happen, health reasons or just, you know, other some, something else happens. And I think they were smart to be like, that's not how life works. So we have to kind of leave it as this is, you know, because by the end of the show, with some characters dying and this, this these, these two crews going against each other, it's like it's just messy and you, you kind of left wondering you know is tony ever going to leave this is he you know he's clearly at a, a somewhat of a better place with his family but is he you know it's like it, and it's one of those like there's you know, all these fan theories it's like you know was tony working with the the cops the entire time does tony die at the end is it just a happy ending he's just in a cafe with his family and, you know, their, 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 their main enemy is now gone. Like, you know, there's so many things. And it's like, clearly, there's always going to be someone else that's going to want that power and that position and that money. Well, we show that, yeah, we show that that lifestyle is not, it's not a, not a lifestyle you can retire with a 401k and live right off in the sunset. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's not, it's a bloody rough end. I mean, just see what it did to his family throughout the time and all these other people. So, and I think, yeah, talking about endings, I mean, yeah, we're not going to get into that because that would take forever. But just what a, what a ballsy move for David Chase to just cut to black where this came at a time before streaming was really starting to catch on the way before. And um, everyone thought their cable went out like because <laughs> it, it cuts to black. It doesn't go to the credits because when you watch it, you're probably like, wait, something wrong. Like even streaming, you're probably like. And here's the thing is I, you know, via YouTube Years ago, at some point, uh, even though I'd never seen the show, I watched a clip of like the last scene of The Sopranos. So I had seen that scene and I didn't remember it when I was watching it this time. Like clearly it's been so long and I only watched the one time that, you know, watching it with the whole buildup of the show. Um, yes, it's a very ballsy move. But there was a moment that they talked about early in the show. They're like, when you get when it's your time, if you get hit, you know, if you get whacked, um, you don't see it, you know, you wouldn't see it. You wouldn't know it. You know, if you got shot in the back of the head, you wouldn't know it. it'd be lights out. So that's why a lot of people, I think, take to the angle of, you know, there's that one guy who walks in he's kind of, and he goes to the bathroom and you're like, Hmm. And then, you know, these two other guys come in they're looking at, you're like, it could have been anyone, but also <laughs> I thought it was so weird was they kept painting back to meadow doing a oh, yeah, horrible job of for- parking. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, and I'm like the stress is building into me because I know like, I'm like, there's only like a minute left of the of the episode. This is the end of the show. What's going on? And then like she like is about to walk in, the, and then he looks up, and then and you're like, what, what, what? and then it's like <laughs> the credits start rolling, and I was like, that's how this show ends. Yeah. <laughs> and you gotta imagine the people that you know very much like we did with Game of Thrones, where we waited a year and a half for that last season. If you watched season six, first half, and you had to wait another year for the last nine you're going episode per week and you're this whole buildup after you know 1999 2007 eight years and then that happens i mean i could see like some people would either find it a perfect ending or a complete crap ending i don't necessarily know if i was like 
upset via like, oh, that's not what I thought was going to happen. But at the same time, even through all his flaws, even with all the times I hated his character, you fall for Tony the way the show develops. There's something about him you just like. It's his charisma, his humor, his playfulness. Even though he's a complete jerk and he is a monster of a man, you're just on his side very much as we would later on like a show like Breaking Bad. You can't like watch the show and be like, I just hate this character. Because if you hated the character, you wouldn't continue watching it. No. So I don't know if I would wanted to have seen Tony get whacked at the end. You know, it's like, I don't know if I wanted it, like if that would have like justified the whole show being like, oh, well, he's dead now. That's it. I don't know if that would have been a proper ending. So having that inception moment of like, did it happen? Did it not? Leave it to your imagination. I think it's a great way to end the show. And, you know, nowadays as we're getting this prequel movie just came out about um, which is, you know, a fascinating, like, how, how many times in Hollywood does this ever happen where an actual blood relative, his son, James Gandolfini's son, is playing himself younger, a younger Tony Soprano. This really could, you know, if this catches on with some energy and nowadays the streaming, we could see other Soprano stories happen. You know, there's all these characters that could have other, you know, places they've gone. We could have a sequel series with other characters we could have, you know, there's so many things they could do with the franchise just because they haven't done it yet. doesn't mean that they wouldn't. Um, and, and there was a video game at one point and, you know, I'm like this material now that's having a resurgence of popularity. It could, you know, it could establish more things, especially now that, you know, series are really becoming such a, like nowadays how TV is filmed even though this is an iconic show that was filmed the right way at that time with the stuff they have nowadays, who knows, especially with de-aging, you know, like some of the actors that are still alive, um, they could do de-aging and, you know, who knows? So, um, but I'm glad I finally checked this out, Taylor. I really did enjoy it. Um, it's, it's one where I'm like, all right, the next show I watch needs to be lighter material, yeah. a lighter fare. Cause it is heavy. There's just some scenes that are very heavy to, to get through, but, um, Especially if you're binging it uh, as fast yeah, as you and do. that's the thing is, I watched the whole show in you know probably less than two months, um, give or take, and it is a lot, especially back to back, a lot of days of like you know constant episodes, that much you know death and despair at times. It's just like I was worried about you for a bit, but uh, that's why I'm glad I have you know we had things to balance it like Ted Lasso and and yeah. what if and other <laughs> exactly. things. You know, <laughs> there's a there's a, a hero for for the ages. Yes, um, exactly. But uh, yeah, no. It's something, again, you know, there's so many great things to, to see this. I love that they revisited. Now, David Chase has stated that he would not do another series with this, which I think mm. I, I, I can appreciate that. You know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But at the same vein, you've got people like uh, Vince Gillian, uh, who's done Breaking Bad, and then Better Call Saul, kind of a prequel series. Uh, so, so we've seen that there's some success to that. But with... You know, going back to re resurface material, I think it's great and look forward to hearing our view later this week um, about that. But I will say, Sopranos, this is why this show and you have seen why it's got so many accolades, why it's just an iconic show. It is more than a show. I feel it is a work of art. And I think it's kind of getting people a reason to see that TV shows and movies can be more. And even you know, the creator of Breaking Bad had said, without Tony Soprano, there would be no Walter White. You think about all these shows that you would not... I mean, this was... I think HBO and, and, and shows like Breaking Bad, it was a pioneer. It came out at the right time. And it also put, I think, HBO in the map. 
It was shows like this and The Wire that pretty much set the standard for we wouldn't get shows probably like Game of Thrones and things like that because they realized that you can do these great character-driven dramas. And that's what this is. It's about family. It's about coming to grips with your mortality. And, you know, and I think it's it's a it's a, just a great example of what you can create with great writing and a, a concept that takes a different spin on that because this show could have been just a regular crime drama that nobody, you know, oh, like these are just characters. We just want to see people whack people, you know? They did, they and, take the deep dive, yeah. And I think that's, again, to why they, it was the fact that he focused on a smaller family that's in Jersey, just like the title sequence. He did that because he wanted to say, this is not New York, where most things were like, oh, the five families in New York, you know? This was like, this is going to be a little bit more of a smaller focus on a, uh, you know, family that's kind of the underdogs, yeah, I like the the original tagline is, if his one family won't kill him, the other one will, and it showed you know a picture of of his family itself, and then his you know his mob guys, his crew. But um, yeah, ultimately it will it will continue to last as one of the greatest TV shows of all time, and definitely is a, a master work in storytelling. So I hope you guys today enjoyed our Sopranos chat. You know we could go on forever about it. But stay tuned. Later this week, we will have our review on the new prequel movie, Many Saints of Newark. And you know what, Taylor? I think that was just a that was a wonderful time. You know, that was great. That was just a great chat. Hey, you know, yeah, I'm getting hungry. Get a, a couple of meatballs and a pasta visually, you know. What I'm oh, about? very nice, very nice. Let's go. Come on, I'll get you a we'll get a little wine going. Yeah, mm-hmm. A little wine, a little vino. A little Still. vino. Mozzarella. <laughs> Let me light up a cigar. Let us a cigar. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know know your your potential. potential.